Welcome to the Table Dallas podcast. At the Table Dallas, we create a sacred space to worship, connecting our stories with the story of God as revealed in scriptures. We invite you now to listen to this week's discussion. I appreciate that. Well, welcome everyone again to this gathering of the Table Dallas. We're glad you're with us in person for this Zoom gathering or anywhere around the world via our podcast when you check in with that. And we are in our third week here in our discovery and our discussion about One People, One Voice, systemic racism in America and our part in that. And before we look at our text this morning, I'd like to invite you, if you would, to open, uh, join me as I open us in a word of prayer as we begin our time of study this morning. Let's pray together. Oh Lord, our world is broken. But Lord, the brokenness is not just outside of us, it's inside of us too. The problem is not just in the world, but inside us. Whether it's saying something we shouldn't have said or harboring bitterness towards someone being judgmental or any number of other individual issues, we've all sinned. We've, we all come this morning as broken people in a broken world. How long, O oh Lord, will division or defensiveness mark your people? The legacy of racism has cut a deep wound that still affects us, even our approach to this Sunday. Some come apprehensive, others come annoyed, still others come hurting, others may be confused. And God, the layers in our culture, our history, and our hearts are so complicated. So Jesus, we need you. We believe that you want us to be one. We believe that the world will know that we are one that we are your disciples when we act as one and we show our love for one another. We believe that you gave your life to ransom a people from every tribe, every nation, every tongue. And we believe that, we, that you want your church united. And we confess that the brokenness is so deep, our defensiveness so quick and our solutions so few, that talking about it, just talking about racial harmony is complicated and scary. So Lord, help us to be quick to hear slow to speak, slow to become angry. We need the Holy Spirit to teach us, to guide us, and to heal us. We trust that your grace is brighter than the darkness of our past and more beautiful than the pain we're experiencing right now. And we ask that you would guide our conversation through your Holy Spirit's work in us, and we'll be sure to give you all the glory for we make our prayer in the name of Christ. Amen. Well, we are, as I said, in our third week examining the biblical issue of racial harmony in the church. And as I said last week, it's a great statement that we listened two weeks ago together as a community as Johannes and Joylin shared their experiences. And I personally appreciate the trust they showed in allowing me to facilitate our service of lament. And I don't take that for granted. Neither do I take for granted the grace that you'll have shown as we've listened, learned, and lamented together. So the goal of last week's message, for those of you who are with us, and if you weren't, remember you can always go back and check out the podcast. It's available wherever you get your podcast under the table Dallas. You'll see the one people, one voice uh, week one, and you can uh, click on that and you can follow along and catch up if you'd like. But it was in Colossians 3, 11 through 17. And um, the goal of last week was simply to renew our understanding about how the gospel gets underneath all other categories in life, especially those that we've imposed, things like historic um, categories and ethnic and cultural and racial categories. The gospel doesn't negate our history or our ethnicity or our culture. The gospel transforms it. In other words, it's a starting point for racial recognition. And that starting point is a willingness to walk together under this gospel-centered, cross-motivated banner. And so today, I want us to take a third step in our journey together. I want us to see the importance of learning to weep with those who weep as a means of racial reconciliation. And we're going to be looking at Romans chapter 12. So if you want to turn there in your Bible, I'm also going to open up the chat window here. And in a moment, I'll put in the text there. And hopefully it'll be right there available to you if you want to follow along. And again, we'll be using our um, 4 for 40 approach in a second week of getting used to this, responding to a text, 
and I promise you there's a method to my madness um, in shifting our approach here and you'll you'll begin to see it I think over the next couple of weeks as we develop it further but in Romans chapter 12 you probably both all of you are probably familiar with the first two verses the famous statement about not being conformed to the world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind in other words right living flows from right thinking then immediately after establishing that dichotomy, not to be conformed, but be transformed, Paul goes on to caution the church about some things, including not to think more highly of ourselves than we ought to. That's verse three, because he's hitting on this point that humility and pride affect everything, every interaction we have. And I think I heard some of you in your groups touching on that piece, right? that it can be challenging. And to remember, Paul says in verse four, that the church is made up of many members and each of us have unique gifts because we all come from differing backgrounds. But in verse five, Paul makes it very clear in Romans 12, we are part of the body of Christ and we are members of one another. So why does he say that? Well, I think because one of the main ways that we express the brokenness of our humanity is by all of these proud, I guess I'm gonna use a word that I would use if I were in Uganda, these tribal associations. And every culture in the world has this. One of the clearest pieces of evidence of the fall is the way that humans, human beings, um, the human race considers themselves to be superior to others. And so we gather together, as some of you said in your groups, in these ideological groups, and then we leverage their, that collective power that we feel together for power that we can put over others. And that's why Paul says, let your love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another, verse 10, with brotherly affection. In other words, outdo one another in showing honor. And then in verse 11, he presses that point even further by encouraging them not to give up. Relationships are complicated. Am I right? Shake your head if you believe that, right? Relationships are complicated. Even when we um, look like each other, we sound like each other, we believe the same way as each other, even in marriage and relationships that should naturally be harmonious, it's challenging, right? And on top of that, they could be exhausting. Um, and everything that's happening, it seems to me, in our lives right now is like a gravitational pull pulling us away from unity and other centeredness and kind of trying to keep us narrowed down. And if nothing else, these last few months have maybe opened us up to this a more other-centeredness approach. So that tribal posturing, that that um, gathering together in ideological groups, um, it's popular, it's effective, right? It's a good way of, of promoting a particular point of view, but it's not, let me say it again, it's not scriptural, it's not Christian. So when we get to verses 12 and 13, where we're gonna pick up our text and we're gonna go all the way through verse 18, um, it's going to invite us to not allow the pressure cooker of life to, um, to affect how we live out the gospel in this important area. So and we're going to pick up our text now. Um, we're going to jump back to verse, let's see, verse 9, and we're going to continue through verse 18. And I, I, I ran a couple of those things for you that were the lead up to the weep, rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who re uh, weep with those who weep. Um, but let me give you again a quick primer on our 4440 approach. We're going to listen and or read the text. You can see it in the chat on the side four times. And then after each reading, we're going to ask just one question of the text. So I'm going to invite you, if you would, to go ahead and unmute your microphone so you can feel free to join in unless you have a lot of noise happening in the background. That's fine if you need to dive in. And I'll just make it easier for us to respond. And then we'll read it again and we'll respond to one other question. We'll go that, we'll do that four different times. And so I'm going to go ahead and put in the text and I'm going to put it in the chat box so that everybody can see it. This is the Common English Bible. If you can see it and you're in the chat room, can you shake your head and 
make sure that it's there. Okay, good. Because last week I started chatting, talking about it. Um, and I know if you're on your iPad, it can be a little bit harder on a phone. Um, but if you click on that chat tab, you might could find it. But if not, you can just listen. All right, I'm going to read it the first time. And then we'll ask uh, the question. And those of you who weren't with us last week as we did it for the first time, it won't take you long to catch on to what we're doing. All right. So feel free to unmute your, your microphones as I read. Love should be shown without pretending. Hate evil and hold on to what is good. Love each other like the members of your family. Be the best at showing honor to each other. Don't hesitate to be enthusiastic. Be on fire in the spirit as you serve the Lord. Be happy in your hope. Stand your ground when you're in trouble and devote yourself to prayer. Contribute to the needs of God's people and welcome strangers into your home. Bless people who harass you. Bless and don't curse them. Be happy with those who are happy and cry with those who are crying. Consider everyone as equal and don't think that you're better than anyone else. Instead, associate with people who have no status. Don't think that you're so smart. Don't pay back anyone for their evil actions with evil actions. But show respect for what everyone else believes is good. If possible, to the best of your ability, live at peace with all people. So in our 4440 approach, the first question, whenever we're gauge any piece of text, is the same. It's, all right, we're paying attention now. What word or phrase, it could be a repetition, it could be a description, catches your attention or caught your attention? And at this point, you don't even have to have a why. It could just be, I don't know why, but this one stands out. Anybody? A word, phrase, repetition, or description that caught your attention. In verse uh, 12, oh, go ahead. Stephen and then Nancy and then Mike. I saw one thing. One thing that just it kind of struck me as odd is show respect for what everyone else believes is good. Yeah. That would be interesting to chat about that. Yeah. Nancy? In verse 12, when you're in trouble, devote yourselves to prayer. Mm. Mike? Uh, verse 18, if possible to the best of your ability, live at peace with all people. It's, he's, he's not being unrealistic here. It strikes me that he understands that it's not going to work every time. Mm -hmm. That there are just sometimes the relationship is just not going to, to work. So it's not pie in the sky is what mm -hmm. I'm trying to say. Others, word, phrase, repetition, description that caught your attention. Verse 14, bless people who harass you, bless and don't curse them. Mm -hmm. uh, pretty much the entire thing is counterintuitive to what my instincts are. Mm. Good. Other words, phrases, repetitions, description that caught your attention. I found uh, verse 12 kind of confusing because mm -hmm. it first says, be happy in your hope, but then it says, stand your ground when you're in trouble. And then lastly, devote yourselves to prayer. And so those three things seem a little um, disjointed and uh, it's hard to put, it's funny that they're all together in one sentence and the, whole, the middle part about stand your ground when you're in trouble is kind of confusing to me. Yeah, so let's remember that, Holly, remember that when we get to the third question, the third time through, and Stephen, the same for your, with your question, because you, you said it, I think I heard you say it with kind of like, that's kind of odd sounding. So remember that when we get to that, and we can bring that back up and chat a little bit more about it. Other. I just felt it summed up with, you know, love each other and be considerate with each other. I think verse 10, um, love each other like members of your family. Mm -hmm. That could mean different things to different people. <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> uh, 
that's part of the beauty of this approach, right? So each one of us, when we look at the scripture, we're going to have, we, we bring our life experiences, right? And so we see things and, and things potentially stand out to us differently than it may to, to somebody else. Yeah. In case you didn't realize, this is an approach that you could take any day to your own, you know, uh, study of scripture. Any passage you want that's, you know, five, ten verses, you can do the same so any other words, phrases, repetitions, or descriptions that uh, capture your attention, even if you don't know why at this point? Yeah, verse 9, love should be shown without pretending. I've found in my life sometimes I have to do things to get to that next level. So sometimes it is pretending to begin with. So yeah. Sure where that's coming that me i think we're good it happens it's all part of life we're all we're moving around doing things it's okay if we have a little bit of of noise all right anybody else want to share a, a word or a phrase if not we can um, we'll move on to our second reading i liked the word enthusiastic uh-huh be enthusiastic <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. All right, here, here now a second time. You can also follow along if you'd like. We're going to begin in verse 9. Love should be shown without pretending. Hate evil and hold on to what is good. Love each other like the members of your family. Be the best at showing honor to each other. Don't hesitate to be enthusiastic. Be on fire in the spirit as you serve the Lord. Be happy in your hope. Stand your ground when you're in trouble and devote yourselves to prayer. Contribute to the needs of God's people and welcome strangers into your home. Bless people who harass you and bless and don't curse them. Be happy with those who are happy and cry with those who are crying. Consider everyone as equal and don't think that you're better than anyone else. Instead, associate with people who have no status. Don't think that you're so smart. Don't pay back anyone for their evil actions with evil actions, but show respect for what everyone else believes is good. If possible, to the best of your ability, live at peace with all people. So in our 4440 approach, the second question that we ask of a text is now it, we're beginning to, to kind of focus in a little bit more on um, what excites inspires or encourages us about the passage and why so we're looking for something that excites encourages inspires us and maybe briefly why why that is it can be any of the phrases that you've identified or it can be something new as we've heard in the second reading i i just realized in the second reading that that sounds like a summation of the lessons my mom tried to teach me and my brother and sister in childhood. I, I could almost hear her saying this to us coming out of her mouth. Wow. Neat. Things that encourage, inspire, or excite you about the passage and why. So um, in verse 17, so don't pay back anyone for their evil actions with evil actions, but show respect for what everyone else believes is good. Um, so it's easy to respond the way that someone responds to you, especially keyboard warriors, that I like to call them. <laughs> oh my, that's a great phrase. I like that. <laughs> um, keyboard warriors. Yeah, you need to pat so that. It, you can be very bold when you're sitting behind a computer and you respond. And would you respond that same way in person? So before responding, to ask yourself, if that person were standing in front of me, would I respond the same way with the same words? And then when it says show respect for everyone else, for what everyone else believes is good, 
knowing that there's a place that that belief comes from, whether it's good, bad, or indifferent, and really trying to understand what what it is that they're trying to convey and how that because I I can disagree with you but I can respect what you're saying because respect doesn't mean I agree it means that I I understand what you're saying I I may completely disagree but you have a right to feel that way and I could gently try to persuade you in a different way but I have to do that respectfully so that the person is not defensive and the same thing if I'm saying something that people have issue with being open enough to take in what it is that they're trying to say me without being defensive that seems to be a recurring theme right this defensiveness that we naturally have right Jason oh I was just gonna say um I that part of, and maybe the, I should wait for the third question, like what we're struggling with, but um, it's, I grew up always kind of having that, that, you know, everyone has a right to an opinion and, um, and, uh, and you know, and, uh, and their own belief. And I was okay with that, but it seems to me, and this is one of the things that I personally struggle with in um, like interpersonal issues, like racism, is that now not only does everyone have a belief and an opinion, but now we all apparently have the right to our own truth. And as a scientist and just like someone who values objectivity and, you know, capital T truth, it's really hard for me to um, respect people's right to believe something is true that is clearly not true. And I promise you, we're going to have plenty of time. You're fine. It's all right. It's totally fine. Um, one of the reasons why we do it this way is um, I know that it's natural for us to go to the pieces that are challenging, and we're going to get there. Um, so the, the challenge here to play on that is, so what is it about it that is encouraging? So maybe you can, I don't know if I can throw this at Jason. Is there a way you can turn that to saying, uh, that there's something encouraging or exciting or inspiring about what you just saw there? Or is it just so hard for you to even get past that, the piece that you just shared? And that's no, I think, I think that the words here have respect for what everyone else believes is good. That's like a, a value judgment. It's not about that. Right. Yeah. I, I think what might be encouraging is if we actually, what would happen if we actually all did all of these verses and the results of what could happen because of that. I mean, that's encouraging. But what do you think that might be, Dan? A better place. <laughs> peace. Courtney says peace. Yeah. But a better place. So that's encouraging. The fact that if we actually did it, we could actually see some, some change. Yeah. Mike. Uh, one thing that's encouraging to me is uh, we're, I just lost it, uh, where it says, don't think you're so smart. Uh, we, it's encouraging to me because I don't have to have the answers. I can say, I just don't know. You know. I don't know what the answer is. And I don't have to have a definite opinion. I can just be, I can still be in the process of forming an, an opinion when these types of conversations come up that we've been talking about, especially, you know, on the racial equality. Yeah. Take some pressure off. I think too, um, if possible, to the best of your ability, live at peace with all people, because you can choose to respond harshly or to respond that creates a conflict, or you can choose to just say, okay. Right. Yeah. I was gonna say in verse 13, contribute to the needs of God's people. And I think it, it's nice that's kind of vague. I think that's encouraging to me because everybody's needs are going to be different and they're going to be different at different times, you know? And so it just help people. Yeah. Great. Oh, good. I think for me where it says, uh, be on fire in the spirit as you serve the Lord, uh, kind of gives, gives me encouragement that all these things that we're called to do, we don't have to do under our own power. Mm. Like, 
we we serve a Lord who who gives us power to do these things. Beautiful. Yeah, that's encouraging. Others. Things that encourage, incite, inspire, excite, inspire us about the passage and why. All right, let's then listen to a third time and ask another question. So listen carefully again. You can follow along if you'd like. Verse nine, love should be shown without pretending. Hate evil and hold on to what is good. Love each other like the members of your family. Be the best at showing honor to each other. Don't hesitate to be enthusiastic. Be on fire in the spirit as you serve the Lord. Be happy in your hope. Stand your ground when you're in trouble and devote yourself to prayer. Contribute to the needs of God's people and welcome strangers into your home. Bless people who harass you. Bless and don't curse them. Be happy with those who are happy and cry with those who are crying. Consider everyone as equal and don't think that you're better than anyone else. Instead, associate with people who have no status. Don't think you're so smart. Don't pay back anyone for their evil actions with evil actions, but show respect for what everyone else believes is good. And if possible, to the best of your ability, live at peace with all people. Now to the part that I think is probably a little bit more natural for us, right? We're going to look at it again and say, now what challenges us, what jolts us, what confuses us, or dare I say, even offends us about the passage and why, and then maybe we can get some help from one another to kind of work through that, all right? So what, what challenges you, what jolts you, confuses you, or even offends you about the passage and why? Okay, this is really trivial, but be the best at showing honor to each other jolts me because why is that some kind of competition? Why can't it just be show honor to each other? <laughs> why does it have to be be the best? Anybody, any thoughts on that? Why does it have to be the best? I think it because it, it forces you to overcome your natural instinct to just be like, okay, I'll try to overcome it. To be the best means you have to go out of your way and put self aside and let Christ come first to help you to do that. I like that. It'll also make God look good. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's true. Which I think goal, right? I think what's confusing for me um, um, when it says love each other like members of your family is because I guess I know how I feel about my family and it doesn't matter what they do. I'm always going to love, forgive them and always want the best for them. And I don't know that it takes into consideration that everybody doesn't have a great relationship with their family. Yeah. Thoughts? Anybody? That can be challenging, right? Yeah, I remember once when I went early on in my ministry, I was challenged to uh, disciple a young man who's uh, who had a really bad um uh, relationship with his dad his absent dad and um he always struggled with you know the imagery of god as my father because because of his personal experience that father imagery and that's what i love about the scripture so beautiful is that we're not we're not stuck with one image right we have we have the image of god as father we also have the image of god as mother um and so you know i think that's a you know, one of the ways that um, I found comforting for him that we could redirect him in a way that connected better for him. It didn't mean that God isn't a father. It just meant for him, it didn't connect in the same way. Mm -hmm. Others. I think the bless people who harass you because it's easy not that you're going to retaliate, but just to dismiss it and walk away and not have a thought whatsoever. So I don't bless them, I don't curse them, I give them no thought. But to have to bless them when they harass you, I think that's harder because 
you're again, you're called to deny the self and what my natural instinct is for me, it's just walk away. I just won't deal with you anymore. Versus now I have to, I am called to bless you and try to encourage and bring the best in you out, I guess. Yeah. What's helped me with that one is I, I've gotten to practice this for a couple of years, the hardcore, is I've actually got a list of scriptures printed out that at any time that, that like I'm, you know, those people come to mind or something like that, I can whip out that, that the, the, my piece of paper and read verbatim a scripture of blessing on them. So my emotions and my attitude never gets in the way. It's I'm reading it verbatim and I get to, I get to speak it, release it, and it gets to do its work. The word of God gets to do its work, but yeah, it, it is, it's, it's tough though, but it gets easier over time. It actually gets to be a little fun. So it's like, Ooh, which one I'm going to pick out this time. Yeah, so, <laughs> so, you read, I saw you reach over you. Did you want to share something? Oh, I mean, I, when I read this passage, I, I think what I struggle with is, you know, Paul is having them think of other people as members of your family, as God's people, and as people. And so, you know, my, my instinct is to think of people as this singular facet, if I can say it in that way. You know, they are this one thing, you know. And he's, he's having us look at people as multifaceted persons and, you know, not, not just someone who's presenting an argument towards me, but a person who's like my family, not just someone who's like my family, but a member of God's people, not only, and that's, um, <clears throat> because that's so deeply relational, um, and that's not where my emotion tends to go first. It's a skill that's a struggle to develop. Yeah. Going back to what Sherry said while, uh, while you all are thinking about something that challenges you, um, my neighbors next door to my right are out of town, and um, they are a sweet couple of Church of Christ. He's the family pastor at uh, the, Brid the Bridge. I don't know. One of the, the big one over there, just not too far from me on 121, and they're away for the weekend, and I'm taking care of their dogs. But they, they've adopted six children um, from all over the world, um, and most of them from abusive situations. And this is the first time I've actually just, I wasn't creeping around their house. I just had to make sure that the dogs hadn't left any presents for them later, which they tend to do because they don't like to go out for anybody other than, than their mom and dad. But um, I was wandering around in all throughout the house, I think this is beautiful. They have posted up um, words of scripture that relate to how much they're loved and how much they are part of a family. And it's in every room, everywhere you go. Like, so when you go to flip on a light switch, there's a little note there. I went into the, the little restroom off the garage there to fill up the water for the, for the dogs and on the mirror and across from the toilet, everywhere there are these little reminders from the scripture that they are loved. And that they're part of a family. And I think that's just, to me, I was just like, I just took a moment and went, wow, that, that's, that's a beautiful, a beautiful tradition, or I guess you would call it tradition practice, I guess, to put in place, especially for those young children who have come out of such rough backgrounds, right? Um, and they're all interracial children, you know, from not interracial, uh, mixed race, they have Asian, they have black, they have white, they have, I think there's, they may have one Indian child. I forget, but they, it's a beautiful family. It's just an amazing family jumping around in the pool in the backyard every week. Anything else about what challenges us? What jolts, confuses, offends us? Oh, I was having trouble with that um, middle part of verse 12 about um, stand your ground when you're in trouble because the message of all of this seems so... Um, loving and get along with each other. And then that stand your ground seemed a little harsh in right. the middle of it. Um, and I was, it immediately made me think about 
well, we're supposed to be listening to others' uh, opinions and respecting their opinions, not standing our ground about our opinion. But then as uh, you read it again, and I was thinking of my mother saying it and, and teaching us things, I thought about, well, stand your ground might just mean uh, stand your ground against temptation to do something bad or um, not stand my ground because my opinion is the best and right, but stand my ground against a bad um, influence or, or uh, temptation. Somebody want to join in? And Holly, I, I, I think about that. And you know, I, to me, I see that stand, stand your ground is also saying don't, don't give in to the peer pressures. Like when you're in trouble, sometimes you still just need to, you're not necessarily going either direction. You just need to stand your ground and say, no, I'm, I'm struggling. I'm in trouble. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well said. Hey, David. Yeah. Um, I, part of, I think, what I'm struggling with with these passages might also stem from the translation that we're using because I've just pulled up the ESV to look at what some of these things were translated as otherwise. Right. And so it is my opinion that I feel like I identify with the ESV translation a little bit better. Okay. So in, in reference to that last passage, um, it doesn't, the ESV doesn't say stand your ground, but rather be patient in tribulation. Okay. Um, which I think comes across very different. Um, and then later on, uh, I think it is verse 16, which we've talked about. Um, instead of consider everyone as equal, it says live in harmony with one another. Mm -hmm. um, do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. And then there's a little note in here that says so that can also be translated as or give yourselves to humble tasks. Mm. Another good way. Helpful. Yeah. That's good. And that's a, that's a great technique that you just identified when you're, when you're struggling in one translation to understand it. Um, like for instance, you mentioned Jason in one of those translations about don't be haughty. Well, that's not a word we use very often. So this is a great opportunity to then flip over to a different translation, right? And then see how the, the different words are, are, are dealt with and see if that helps you connect a little bit better. And rather than, um, don't think of yourself as so smart. It says never be wise in your own sight. And I think, um, like I, I also interpret wisdom much differently from the word smart. Like you can be smart and unwise right. and you can be a relatively simple or even uneducated person, but still have wisdom. Right. I think all these go back to me to the, uh, part of the verse that says hate evil. Right. We're still allowed and commanded to hate evil, right. but yet hold on what is good, which tells us pray for these people, stand your ground for good and hate evil. But the good part is you're praying for them so that they see it, but it never excuses someone's opinion of, of evil or hate, you know, so. And in, in the context of our discussion, that's beautiful because in the context of our discussion, right, um, silence speaks volumes. So when we're silent um, in the midst of racial comments, racial actions in, in the context of what we've been talking about, I think of standing your ground as being, as actually saying, you know what, that kind of attitude is, depending on the person, is not scriptural, it's not biblical, it's not human, it's whatever you want to say, and standing up and saying, no, that's not okay. That joke isn't okay. That thought process, that that slur, whatever it is, that's not okay. Um, to me, that's what I heard when I heard standing around. But then again, I'm listening in the context as I have been all week, right, of racial harmony and justice, right? I like that, yeah. Can I say something about um, silence speaks volumes? Because I agree and I disagree. Okay. As sometimes you're silent, not because you agree, just because you're trying to find the right Christ-like way to respond. Because if, you're, if you immediately respond, then you don't always respond immediately out of a place of love because you're angry, you're hurt, you're upset. And so sometimes that silence is, I need to gather my thoughts. I need to make sure that what I'm gonna say is grounded in love, which is what I'm commanded to do. 
that I'm not going to curse you, that I'm going to bless you. And it may take me a moment to get there. So silence is not always bad. Right. I, I should, I should have clarified that learning to respond rather than react. Sometimes it takes time, but we can also, I think you would understand Johannes. We can also use that as an, as an excuse and just be like, well, that's what they think. And if I just ignore it, like it doesn't really mean anything, but if everybody just continues to ignore it, like, well, that's not me or worse yet agreeing with it. Right. Nothing will, nothing changes. So I think you've hit both sides of it beautifully. Yeah. Yeah, I think you ask yourself, why am I being silent? Am I being silent because I don't want the conflict and I don't want to engage because I want to be comfortable in where I am and I don't want to be seen differently? Or am I being silent because what I have to say at this moment probably is not right. what I should be saying? Yeah, well said. And I would kind of add another perspective too that happens to me often is I sometimes don't participate in certain kinds of conflicting situations because I don't feel that anything I'm going to do or say is going to change anything about the situation. Yeah. It's the old adage of it's hard to argue with a fool. Yeah. Right? That idea, right? And then you read about two verses later on in that same Psalm where it says, argue with a fool or they'll just keep being a fool. So it's one of those wisdom moments, right? You have to know and you have to be in a certain kind of relationship because as, as you both identified, um, it won't always be heard depending on the situation. Yeah. Any others who have identified something that jolts, challenges, confuses, or even offends them that we should chat about? Still struggling with the okay. respect, what every, what everyone else believes is good. Maybe that's the point of it, that something I should struggle with. And specifically what just when you it's just hard for me to respect the crowd wisdom at times i guess anybody else want to throw some thoughts in there so just another translational difference is um rather than respects what everyone else believes is good this one says give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all so it's sort of that not like respect what other people think is good, but give thought to do what everyone would agree is good. Hmm. So it's sort of that collective good as opposed to like individual good. I don't think that respect means agree. And I, I think maybe that's, maybe the challenge is that when we think we have to respect what everybody else thinks is good is that we have to agree. Respect doesn't mean agree. It's respecting that because it may be a background that you come from, that you have this belief. So I respect that maybe you've been raised this way. I don't agree with what you're saying. And so respectfully, I could gather my thoughts and my words to try to um, give you a different viewpoint. Okay, good. Could it also be that if we respect someone's view, that we can sit back and think about their side of it a little more than if we just discount it and don't respect it at all? Doesn't mean that it's right, but if we respect it, then at least we take the time to analyze what's being said. Right. Because that's what we want them to, we want others to do for our opinion, right? So essentially it's that same thing. David? Um, so just kind of going on the whole different translations thing, you know, I love the message. Uh, and the way the message kind of um, paraphrases that is don't hit back, discover beauty in everyone, um, which I like that. I like the idea that, you know, if we're all created in the image of God in Imago Dei, then there is, there is beauty in each of us. And we need to, to, to respect that. We need to find that beauty and seek it out and discover it. Um, so rather than just respecting what everybody says, Respecting the person, I think, is, is kind of the key there. I guess the, the message might be acceptance. So it's interesting because I tell my kids, um, res sometimes you have to respect the position of the person that they sit in. You may not respect what that person has to say. You may not agree with what they have to say, but you give respect to the position that they hold, president, pastor, teachers, principals, those kind of things. I may not agree, but I, re I show respect for the fact that you're put in this position and God has seen fit for you to sit there. 
for some reason. So I'm going to respect the fact that you're holding that position, whether or not I agree with what you're saying. Mm -hmm. I have, uh, I have a little, uh, a little different take on that. I think the showing respect for what everyone else believes is good actually refers specifically to the first of that sentence, which is don't pay back anyone for their evil actions with evil actions, but return good for their evil. Yeah, yeah. I think that's how you respect it. Yeah, okay. It's good. Let's go ahead and read it for our final time here, and then we'll wrap up our thoughts here. Love should be shown without pretending, hate evil, and hold on to what is good. Love each other. Love each other like the members of your family. Be the best at showing honor to each other. Don't hesitate to be enthusiastic. Be on fire in the spirit as you serve the Lord. Be happy in your hope and stand your ground when you're in trouble and devote yourself to prayer. Contribute to the needs of God's people and welcome strangers into your home. Bless people who harass you. Bless and don't curse them. Be happy with those who are happy and cry with those who are crying. Consider everyone as equal and don't think you're better than anyone else. Instead, associate with people who have no status. Don't think you're so smart. Don't pay back anyone for their evil actions with evil actions, but show respect for whatever one else believes is good. If possible, to the best of your ability, live at peace with all people. So the final question we ask is, what will we do with what we've just heard and learned to advance the kingdom of God in the next week? So what's one thing that we've learned. So this is the actionable piece. This is where it gets tough, right? The actionable piece. What's one thing that we'll do this coming week to advance the kingdom of God in this area? The key here is actionability. Dun, 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 dun. I mean, part of it will be to recognize when you're in that situation, you know, typically when you have these sermons and talks, it's guaranteed that later this week, we'll have an action point to, to, uh, to work on. Right. And so I think it's just being cognizant of, you know, being aware of that, hey, this is where I really should be showing love. Good. How about respecting people's right for silence? So not taking silence as ignorance or agreement, but disrespecting someone's right to be quiet. Excellent. Excellent. David? So as I'm reading this, um, the thing that, that stands out to me on this, this go-round is the importance of um, each of these things require you to kind of know something about the person you're having this conversation with, which in turn makes me think about the importance of developing relationships with people, like real relationships and not just, uh, you know, surface things or, or things that allow you to, to fall into those habits of, of, you know, thinking of them as other, et cetera, et cetera. So I think that that concept for me is about, you know, developing relations, real relationships with people. Good. Good. And just in general, trying to understand, which I don't think we do very often. Um, you know, we, we, we talk a good game. Oh, I understand what you're saying, but, yeah, yeah. you know, trying to understand. And maybe you'll never will understand, but, um, you know, that's going to go a long way. Uh, towards how you look at other people and how you look at other people according to the way that God wants you to look at other people. Yeah, good. I think for me um, to um, love people like I love my family, so it doesn't matter, and I have a huge family, it doesn't matter what my family does. I will, I will always honor their position as my family, whether we agree or disagree, and will always seek to come back into reconciliation with them and into relationship with them. So instead of just dismissing people and going, 
just, I don't want to deal with you anymore is to kind of treat them that way and giving the opportunity to try to reconcile and come back into relationship. Excellent. Yeah. Excellent. I think it takes a lot of the pressure off in that I, I can, I can in conscience hold whatever viewpoint I have and, you know, insist on that. But, you know, Paul seems to acknowledge that, you know, there, there are practical directions you got to take. You, you make agreements and not everyone may like it, but you know, you agree on stuff and you move forward and people are going to really tick you off and you love them. It's like, I mean, it sounds pretty practical to me. Good. Anyone else? I'm going to take the um, cry with people that cry. And um, in my, in our breakup groups, I was explaining that I'm really naive about June 12, June, um, Juneteenth. Yeah. I just can't that because I'm from Wisconsin and we didn't even study Texas history mm. at all. Right. You know, just national history and I hated history anyway. Mm. So <laughs> sorry. Sorry, Brian. Uh, but I'm going to research it. Mm. I'm going to get on the internet and learn about it because I feel awful mm. and I'm going to cry. I just want to cry. Right. Excellent. By the way, that's, that's interesting that that's a, um, that is a command in the tense of that be happy with those who are happy and cry with those who cry is a command. It's in command format. And typically we don't think of emotional things as commanding. Like we think, Oh, if I feel it, then I'll weep. If I'm happy, then, you know, but this is directly the opposite. It's like, like, no, we've been challenged to weep, to, to put ourselves in the place of those who are rejoicing and those who are crying or weeping. Yeah. That's excellent. Glad to hear that. Anything else? We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Table Dallas podcast. We invite you to join the conversation at one of our upcoming tables. To learn more about us, please check out our website at thetabledallas.com. We are saving a seat for you at the table.